Old Testament chapters like Isaiah 53, some have called that the Holy Grail or the, the Holy of Holies of the Old Testament. I, I consider John chapter 3 one of those chapters because it's one of the few chapters, or one of the handful of chapters that really speak very clearly to the new birth. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob begins an introduction to Chapter 3 of the Gospel of John. This chapter highlights the new birth and what Jesus said we must do to become a child of God, have our sin, past, present, and future, washed away, and enter eternal life with Him forever. Spurgeon once said, If we are asked to read to a dying man who did not know the gospel, we should probably select this chapter as the most suitable for such an occasion. And what is good for dying men is good for us all. For that is what we are, and how soon we may be actually at the gates of death, none of us can tell. Now let's join Pastor Rob. If you could open your Bibles to John, John's Gospel, Chapter 3. We've been going through the Gospel. In fact, why don't we just read, let's just read the first eight verses. I don't know that we will get through even eight verses this morning, but today will be an introduction to John's, the third chapter, and we'll, we'll get into it more uh, next week. But let's look at the first eight verses. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit. This is... One of the most significant chapters, really, in all of the Bible, certainly in the New Testament. When I think of 
Old Testament chapters like Isaiah 53. Some have called that the Holy Grail or the the Holy of Holies of the Old Testament. I I consider John chapter 3 one of those chapters because it's one of the few chapters, or one of the handful of chapters that really speak very clearly to the new birth. The new birth. And it's a clear explanation of it. And we have to remember that we are members of the Bride of Christ, the church. That's what makes us part of the church, that we are members of Christ, that we are born again. And this phrase, born again, is not a phrase that the church made up. It's not something that Protestants have made up. I remember a number of years ago, there was a member of the Catholic Church who approached me and said, um, and this is when Jeff was still here, and we were talking about this whole idea of being born again. And they told me that they were told by their diocese that those who believe in this idea of being born again were from a cult. <laughs> that we were from a cult. But, you know, when you think about um, a cult, a cult is the veneration of an object or a man and his teachings and his teachings. And usually that those teachings involve extreme control over its members or adherents. And when we think of cults, we think of people like uh, Jim Jones in the early, you know, in the 70s. We think of David Koresh, men who had aberrant teachings that weren't related to the Bible, that were totally against the Bible. And yet many adherents, many people followed them. And you remember Jim Jones back in the 70s, the whole group died there in Guyana as a result of his, um, his cultish ways. So we are not a cult. Because we don't follow a man's teachings, we follow the Lord's teachings, right? Because Jesus is not just a man. He's the son of man, but he's also the son of God, which puts him in a class all by himself. Nobody else can make that that claim, as Jesus did. So being born again, as we have read, is very biblical, and it's essential to salvation in Jesus Christ. Essential. And Jesus spoke of its necessity in order to go to heaven. We can't enter the kingdom of heaven. We can't see or perceive the kingdom of God unless we are born again. We need a new nature within us. Let me ask you, do you want to go to heaven? (laughs) I think we would all say that we do. Do you want a life that honors Christ? then you must be born again. And you must be born again today. Don't wait until tomorrow. For tomorrow you have no guarantee. You have only this moment to give your heart to Christ. Because we have no idea what's going to transpire today as we leave this place. You know, we always have the hope of tomorrow. You know, when you're young, when you're a teenager, you know, you think that you've got all of this time. That you've got decades ahead of you. And for most people, that is the case. They do have decades ahead of them. But we don't have any guarantee. And you've heard me say this, and I'll say it again because it needs to be said. You recall in 2007, there, was, there were five teenage cheerleaders in Fairport. You remember them. I've, this is the third time I think I brought this up. But it's a, it's a wonderful case in point. And... Uh, it's not wonderful, certainly, what happened, because those young ladies, all five of them, died in a fiery car crash. They were thinking that the whole world was ahead of them. They just graduated, all these hopes and dreams for the future, and it was all snuffed out in an instant. They had no idea when they woke up that morning that they weren't going to make it through the end of the day. 
Now, that's alarming, isn't it? I mean, it, it really is. It, it ought to shake us because we realize that we are not in control of our own lives. We have no idea. So make it your aim today. If you haven't given your heart to Christ, if you are not born again or born from above, as we're going to look at this morning, you must be born again. That's what Jesus said. Notice, it's not maybe. You know, you might need to be born again. I mean, if you're a decent person, you probably don't need to do it. No, he said, you must be born again. It's an imperative. You must be born again. And see, that message needs to go out to every single person in this country, in the world, because it's a message that the disciples died for. It's a, it's a message that Jesus died for. And it's one that we get to share, and it's such a wonderful message. Because when you understand what has happened to you, how you've gone from death to life, Do you remember the day when you gave your heart to Christ? I remember it very well. Days before that, I knew I was a sinner on my way to hell. And then, for a mystery of mysteries, I give my heart to Christ. I crack like an egg. I cry like a baby convulsively. And I think I might even have been been in the fetal position when I did it, because I was just crying uncontrollably aware of my sin, aware of how I, the life I was living wasn't going to get me to heaven at all. And see, that's the message. That changes a life. The message of the gospel changes lives. And see, that's what God is all about. He wants to change lives. And even as Christians, he's still changing us. It wasn't just something he did, and then we're just kind of on our own. No, it's something that happened and is continuing to happen in our lives because we are his. We are his. We give, our, we give ourselves over to him. And it's our reasonable service, as Paul tells us. It's reasonable to do that. I mean, think about it. If he gave his life for me and saved me from eternal punishment, don't I owe him everything? I mean, honestly, even if it was only for a hundred years that I would spend in hell, <laughs> And he was willing to die to keep me from it for a hundred years. It would be more than worth it. Because, see, we don't have a right concept of hell. Many young people think that it's a place that they're going to go and party with their friends. But that is ignorance. Because the Bible, Jesus spoke of hell more than anybody else. And it is not the place you want to be. It's not the place you want to go. It's no game. It's, it's no funny kind of glib thing. This is serious business. It's very serious. And yet people today don't take it very seriously. And they think they have all the time in the world, but they don't have the time that they think. So it's really important that we think soberly about this. And if it sobers us, then that will encourage us and give us the same thing like it did the the Apostle Paul, where he says, the love of God constrains me. I have to tell somebody. I have to tell somebody. Do you have that sense in yourself that, God, you've given this to me and it's such a great thing? I've gotten so used to the fact that I know I'm going to heaven because of what he's done that sometimes I can get lax and think, well, you know, and and I, I stop really having that unction in my heart anymore about other people. But see, Jesus wants us to to tell other people, to warn them. And today in many churches, they're not preaching that anymore. Oh, God loves you. And he does. You know, and they say all these nice things to get people into the building. Don't talk about sin, though, because you don't want to offend anybody. Hey, listen, you better be offended. 
Because it need, it is an offense. The cross is an offense to your old nature. If it's not, then I wonder if you're born again at all. It is an offense. It ought to be because there's a collision of two natures. Your old nature that you're born with and the new nature that God wants to give you by his spirit. And those two are like oil and water. And I'm sure that that's even a pale comparison. So why do we need to be born again anyway? Why do we need to be born again? I think you know the answer, but we're going to go through it because it's important to understand It's very simple. We need to be born again because we were born in sin. The Bible says that we were all born with a sin nature and that this nature is in opposition to God. You remember the great catastrophe that happened in the book of Genesis. You recall. What does it say? We know that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. This is where it all began. And it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, and saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And it wasn't long after that that Eve was deceived by the serpent, the devil. And what did the serpent say to her? The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And then later on in that same chapter it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a desirable, a tree desirable to make one wise. Do you see in there, in those that little phrase there, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? Those are usually the things that catch us, and certainly it caught our our parents, our federal parents, Adam and Eve, there in the garden. She took of its fruit and she ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate, and then the eyes of both of them were opened. And so sin had entered the human race. That's where it began. The sin nature, this wonderful relationship with God was now broken. And now they were left to the devil's devices and left to his Kool-Aid that he would offer them. From this moment onward, every person who was born was born with a sin nature. It tells us in Romans chapter 5. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. And that's that's the case with us. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. In Romans chapter 7, Paul was very much aware of this struggle of the old nature and the new nature that wants to have dominance. You see, your old nature is still within you, but the Spirit of God, when you're born again, the Spirit of God comes into you, and the Spirit of God is suppressing that old nature. I I like to think of it as like a big lead lid over the top of a volcano that wants to erupt. And God, the Holy Spirit, he puts that seal on top of it, and he allows that to be, not to allow itself to be expressed. Because it wants to. It wants to explode in every possible way. But God, the Spirit of God, he, that new nature that he places within you by his Spirit is suppressing that old nature. And at any given time, and this is the mystery of it all, folks, is that I have the ability to, to remove that lid. 
to, to, to move it off to the side a little bit and to experience things and to do things. And it grieves the heart of God when I do that because I'm allowing my old nature to have precedence over the new nature. And it'll make me miserable if I'm truly a Christian. I'm not going to be happy. I may, think, I may think I'm happy because I'm satisfying some desire or whatever it may be. But afterwards, I feel terrible. Can anybody relate to that? And it's only when you confess it and you put Jesus in the rightful throne of your heart and he covers that lid up some more. He covers it up. And you're like, oh, thank God. Paul understood that very well. Let me read to you what it says in Romans. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. You can understand the, the dichotomy here and the problem that he's having. He says, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. And I say amen to that. Can anybody say amen to that? Is there anything good in your flesh? Oh, yes, I'm such a good person. No, you're not. (laughs) And you came to church this morning, thought, wanted to be built up, right? (laughs) But see, the truth actually lightens my heart. I like like the truth. The the, The truth actually sets me free. Because nobody's lying to me. I'm just being honest, right? And that's the way God would have us to be. But notice he goes on and he says, For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good... For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, that's the spirit of God in us, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And Paul, you can just understand the the frustration that you and I all have. And what does he say? Something that we say under our breath in our own vernacular. He says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he answers his own question. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is Jesus. And so there is this nature, these two natures, and they are in a collision course with one another, and that's why there is a battle. So we are sinners. We sin because we are sinners. That is why we must be born again. And God pronounced judgment upon sin. He said, if we say that we have no sin, in other words, if we say that we have no sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, and this is a wonderful promise, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say that we have not sinned, the acts, the individual acts of sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us because that is the truth of who we are. In Ezekiel it says, the soul who sins shall surely die. And these are the indictments against all of us. From the very beginning in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. And every one of us in this room would be saying, yes, that is true. I have sinned. And maybe you even woke up this morning and you did something. You thought something. But we can come to the Lord and we can confess and be restored. Amen? And it's such a joy to know that because there's no place like that on the earth. There's no one like that in all the earth that we can come to. For the wages of sin is death. That's what we get when we sin. It's death. 
but the gift of God, the wonderful, wonderful, precious gift of Jesus Christ. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This is why we must be born again. Because God's standard is holy, it's perfect. And our nature that we are born with is that hatred, it's that enmity against God. Therefore, there has to be a change of, there has to be a new sheriff in town. (laughs) There has to be a new nature within us. We must be born again or born from above. In fact, if we are not born from above or born again, we will not make it to heaven. What does it tell us in Romans? But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That kind of makes it very clear, doesn't it? You can go through all the motions. You can go to church every day of your life. You can give money to the church. You can serve in the church all your life. You can walk on glass. And you can, you can walk on nails, and you can afflict yourself, and you can do all a host of things and call yourself a Christian. But if you do not have the Spirit of God indwelling you, you are not a Christian, and you are not going to heaven. Wow, that's really harsh. But that's the truth. You know, it's a sad thing when I see so many people that really have a genuine hope in God, or they have a genuine desire for God. But unfortunately, they go to places, and God leads them. He's sovereign. God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. Even if you're in a church that's not teaching the gospel, not teaching the word of God, he has a way of reaching you. I know God can do that. But it's sad to know of so many people being misled because they're not being taught the word of God. They're not being told what the Bible says. That's why you should own your own copy. That's why you should read it every day. That's why we continually harp on this. We we pound this one drum every single day. Read your Bibles, read your Bibles, read your Bibles. You need to read your Bible. And here's the secret. The more you read it, the more you're going to love it. Because I'll be honest with you. The more I've read the Bible and the more I'm falling in love with the Bible all over again every single day, the more I read it, the more I love it. But here's also another tragic truth is the less you read it, the less you're going to want to read it. And that's scary. And I've been on both sides of those spectrums, and I can tell you that that is the truth. The more you read it, even if you don't feel like it, read it anyway. Read it anyway. Even if you think you get nothing out of it, just read it. The fact of reading it is so incredibly important. Whether you, Regardless of how you feel, just read it and pray and say, God, I have no idea what I just read. I'm here in Ezekiel chapter 3, and it's talking about the wheel within a reel. I don't have any idea, but I know you, God, know. And Lord, I just submit to you, whatever you want to do, just show me. And you continue to read and you continue to pray. And you don't worry about that. That's his job. The Spirit of God will do that work in you. And you just keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. Will you keep doing it? Do it with me. Because there's so many people that aren't right now. COVID has wiped out a good chunk of the church. I've talked to other pastors. And they're all experiencing the same thing. Many people who used to come when COVID came, sidelined them. Boom, just a chunk, of, a percentage of the church just went away. We don't know where they're at, what they're doing. They got discouraged. They kind of went back to the world. We don't really know. It's a sad thing, folks. And I am so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you have a desire for the word of God because I do too. And that's why I I get the privilege to do what I do. And I love it. And I pray that you will love it more and more. Just continue to stay in it and continue to pray. Amen. 
So are you born again? Well, how do I know? That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.